everyone, and thanks for joining this episode of The Digital Marketeer. I am very excited to be doing our first roundtable on the state of hiring. I have a wonderful group of people with me today, and I would love to get to it and introduce you to everybody. So Steve, wave Steve. Steve George is currently serving as the head of talent acquisition for Canatics. He is a visionary recruiting contributor and leader with extensive experience in securing top talent for startups and enterprise corporation environments across ad tech, digital, media, entertainment, CPG, publishing, and spirit industries. Further, he has provided impactful insights around diversity recruitment, employer and employee branding, as well as organizational scaling. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Mark Goldberg runs a consultancy called Stages Collective, where he has four practice areas. They provide fractional sales and business development support, buy media for clients, help with strategy and assessments, as well as a recruitment practice, where he provides contingent recruitment services. Hey, Mark. Hey. We also have Risa Goldberg. No relation to Mark. Total (laughs) coincidence. Um, She is the founder and president of Media Recruiting Group, a nine-person nationwide recruiting firm with a focus on digital media, ad tech, and advertising. In business for more than 20 years, Media Recruiting Group recruits all levels, including C-suite positions. Risa runs media recruiting with her husband and business partner, Steve. Welcome, Risa. Hi. And last but not least, we have Maya Good. Maya is a talent acquisition leader with over eight years of experience hiring in the digital marketing and media space. She's currently overseeing the talent acquisition practice at Good Apple, an independent media agency where she has developed her talent acquisition processes and strategy and day-to-day recruitment. Maya's relationship-driven approach to talent management has assisted her in growing Good Apple by 30% since joining in 2022. Hi, everybody, and thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Maya. Nice to be here. Yeah. So I find this topic very fascinating. As you guys know, you know, my company assists in flexible talent and staff augmentation, as well as a full suite of digital media services. And so a lot of stories, and I've been exposed to a lot of different things in this space as well. So I thought it would be great for all of us to come together and talk about the industry and what's actually happening with hiring in our industry right now. So, you know, I would love to open this up to actually everybody as our first question of, you know, with so many things changing, um, coming back from the pandemic, everybody being remote, um, a whole generation of workers that has never been in the office. What are some of the biggest challenges that you find digital media companies are facing today when it comes to hiring? I'll start. Go for it. Right now, it's a good time for people to hire because there's definitely a lot of candidates that are looking. So I think going back to 2021 and 2022, it was really hard to find talent. But right now, if a digital media company is looking to hire, they can find people no problem. Interesting. Anybody else want to take a stab at that? Is everybody feeling the same way? Are you noticing the same? So I would say a lot of the uncertainty is having people look at their shoes and trying to figure out if they want to make that next step forward to hire. And I think, you know, I work with a lot of startups and, you know, your your financial model when you were given the money from the VC had various milestones. And if you're not hitting those milestones, you're trying to figure out, do I need to hire or do I need to fire? And, mm. and it's been a 
concerning where people don't understand what's really truly going on in the market. When you see the trade desk come out with huge, huge numbers, everyone's saying, this is great. When you see other companies, this is bad. And so the uncertainty, I think, is causing a little uneasiness for people to like run and hire. But I feel like we're about to hit uh, September, October, November with some really big hiring numbers. And I'm just hopeful here. Yeah, if you don't mind me chiming in. Yeah, go for and, it. And Mark, you know, certainly sentiments uh, sitting on the other end, right? And, and FYI, I sat on both sides of the table. I used to be a, uh, you know, a third-party recruiter and obviously now internal. So I, I've seen both ends. Yeah, you know, market uncertainty for sure uh, has been a, a, a pretty difficult obstacle to sort of get through. And, um, you know, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, obviously how, how the funds and resources are looking from your VC and um, whether or not it's going to, you know, Again, right? You know, where are we at this point? Are, did we hit our numbers? Did we not? It's constant push pull, right? So, you know, it, it's 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 certainly turning. You know, to your point as well, uh, Mark, that uh, I can see that starting to fully but surely come around. But it, it's it's probably not going to, at least you know, from what I've seen and what I've experienced, are going to be just as let's say a year and a half ago, where things were just you know a a almost a free for all, right? Uh, where, you know, it's a, a huge candidate market and uh, lots of opportunity there. But I think it, it still will happen. It'll just be at a more sort of a, it'll be more from a strategic lens, we'll say, from from, uh, from the business. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I'll just, I'll just um, wrap us. I think that, you know, the, the biggest thing that I've seen is that candidates have options, right? I think when we were, Prior to the pandemic, looking at all of the different options, there was, you know, a lot of limitations you had to necessarily work within the uh, geographic space in which you were looking to apply for. There was, you know, only so many opportunities out there. And then obviously the downward trend of, of openings now has flipped, right? And it's allowed candidates to really feel empowered about the opportunities that are out there. It's opened up more and more opportunities for them. And that can be challenging for some companies, or it can be an incredible opportunity for some companies where companies like Good Apple have transitioned from being just a office in Manhattan to now in 17 different states. It's allowed us to, you know, really organically diversify our staff to really, you know, drive towards our growth, as well as offer very top of the line opportunities to our prospective employees. And I think all of that is great. Going back to something that Mark said, you know, you are seeing some of these companies coming back with great earnings for the year, yet there's still layoffs. So, you know, it, it is very uncertain and it's kind of like what's happening. You know, I have friends who've left jobs at really great companies to take other jobs at, you know, great companies. And then a month later, they're getting laid off and they're like, I guess that was, you know, not the right thing to do. And, you know, to Maya's point as well, it's opening up opportunities where you can diversify and hire talent almost anywhere, but yet you know, there's still such a saturated market of talent because of all of these layoffs, you know, is it kind of like these layoffs are happening for actual strategic reasons when people or companies are still doing so well? And then how is that really driving into the strategy of what happens next and how they hire who they hire? So, I mean, the head rip from the headlines right now, and you're in, in the ad tech ecosystem we're we're always listening to what Google, you know, Meta, Twitter, or whatever they're called, X, uh, are doing. And, you know, Elon's taking a very aggressive approach to just get rid of people. And those layoffs are just by means of him being a jerk. I have other words, but this is a brand safe podcast. Um, 
Meta, um, I think they made a very big bet on on the the uh, metaverse, and they did not win that bet. And so they've had to actually have some functional layoffs because they've over overgrown. Um, I think when Twitter made those changes and show, showed that they were able to operate with a little bit less of a team, I think a lot of the uh, Silicon Valley and public companies made an adjustment. And that adjustment was to remove some of that staff. Um, that flooded the market with some really talented people. And, and then you had some other layoffs. And I, I think there's been some secondary or third type of company layoffs that have, again, put some more people on the market. But there were always jobs. And so, you know, what I do on LinkedIn is I, I try to do this pay it forward where I, I resurface po- people's open roles. There are a lot of open roles right now. There right? are. And yeah. pe- people don't understand that there's a lot of open roles because they are only looking at these three or four big companies and big layoffs. And so I think, you know, what what the talent needs to do and the, the, the job seekers, they just need to look a little bit wider and deeper. And some of the best roles are never posted. And I would say, you know, good Apple, you're an agency. You, you guys are in a current probably pitching six clients right now. You win them, you have to staff up immediately. And so if people are not talking to you in advance, then they missed. And so, you know, I always promote network, 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 because some of the best jobs are not posted. And if you're not reaching out to Maya right now, because they potentially could win or win a piece of business, you lost. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a tremendous point. And I think, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, from a talent end, absolutely. It's, it's all about networking. It's all about having a conversation and and broadening your network. Um, I think that, you know, when I approach talent acquisition, it's it's always intended in that way because at the end of the day, yes, I have jobs to fill, but ultimately um, my passion comes from matching somebody with the right opportunity, matching them with the right opportunity that could be based on them fitting the job description, but it's really also a hundred percent more finding them an opportunity that they're going to be successful in, that they're mm-hmm. going to be happy in, that they're going to grow in, and that ideally they're going to make a massive impact at I used to work for third party as well, but, you know, prior to that, the companies that I worked with and now for good Apple. So thinking about that and and how we staff, it's important also for the employers to remember that we need to be purposeful about why we staff, why somebody would take a job, why somebody would leave a job for the job that you're offering. And when we think about that, it's, it's, you know, and, and where layoffs can incur, you know, we want to make sure when we're staffing up, if we don't win that pitch, we don't want to have to turn around and lay off the people that we just right. hired, right? So we want to be able to be resourceful with our internal staff. We want to understand the the resources that we do have. And when we're mapping out our talent and who we're looking to hire to be very strategic about that, not just for the fact that it's going to be financially viable, but that if this person wants to work at Good Apple for five years, we want to be able to provide that opportunity. We want to be growing in a purposeful upward mobility uh, or in, in an upward direction uh, to allow for their growth. So we don't necessarily see the trends that other agencies see where folks leave after two to three years, right? If somebody wants to grow within the agency or grow within Good Apple, we've seen folks grow from intern level to director level. And that's just due to our commitment to ensuring that their employee experience is sound and, you know, meeting their expect or meeting and exceeding their expectations. And I feel like that's so important. Um, and I have some questions that we'll get to for that as well. But I did want to also ask Risa and Mark, maybe you guys have a little bit more exposure to this being more at a, at a recruitment company. But what are some of the most in-demand skills when you're working with people that are looking to hire? You know, what are the most in-demand skills that you would say currently that people are looking for that, you know, maybe 
are needed to stand out or to perform a specific job, but maybe also something that we haven't really seen in prior years? Are there more demands now? And and are those requirements a little bit higher than, you know, what we've seen in the past and in, in being able to get a job? A lot of our clients are looking for people with performance marketing skills and past a lot of paid social, but not so much right now. So I think it keeps on changing and evolving as far as what people are looking for. Um, I think skills. And, and so if you look at marketing, marketing is a very big, wide word, and there's many disciplines within. Um, I, I see them all having very specific needs rather than horizontal needs mm. uh, at the beginning. But now it's starting to shift like, hey, I just need one person to do three things as opposed to uh, three people to do three things. And that's kind of been a little bit of the the focus has become, I want someone to do something very vertical. On the sales side, the experience now is, do you have the book? Do you have the sales uh, contacts I need? Um, because if you don't have what, what I exactly need, I don't need you. Right. And that's, I, I don't know, Risa, if that's something new, but like it used to be, hey, you, you're smart, you're good, you can do this, you're hungry, you're aggressive, you know some things about sales come in. Now it's like, do you know my client base and can you close some deals tomorrow? Right. I, I I use the term exactism because everybody's looking for exact experience. Yes. And that's tough. I think because people are working remote, I think because the economy is tough, nobody wants to train and they're looking for that exact experience. Yeah. yeah. And I think the window, uh, the window of success is shorter for some companies. And so they need someone right. to make an immediate impact. And, you know, when you're a startup, you can't have that wrong hire. Um, the impact will be devastating if you do. And so, you know, giving, if you're a quick learner, I like to say this and I feel bad, but like, if you're a quick learner, no one cares. Like, I mean, that's kind of what it become in some of these organizations is, you know, I would love to hire people who, and this is, goes back to Google. Google did a very good job of bringing people in who had a very good high grade point average, a very good uh, background in school. And you knew the pedigree of this person was going to be a good person in your organization. And you would put surround them with the training and, and right. prepare them and let them grow. And I think that's what we've lost during, you know, since 2020, we don't have the right training in place. People are not in the office learning by osmosis. You can't get to the water cooler and have a conversation. And so mm -hmm. I think it's kind of shifted and changed. I agree. And I find yeah. that challenging as well and Steve I'll, I'll let you speak in just a second I apologize but um, I, I find it very interesting as well because it is harder to train yet you're looking for a magic bullet of somebody who has experience in you know like what I was going to say Risa is like well what is performance marketing like that term kind of makes me a little crazy because I personally feel like if you're trying to be the best at everything what are you really good at and so if, right. you know, I could run a social media campaign and I could run it well, but my background is in programmatic. So I could kill programmatic for you. I could build out the best strategy, execute it, you know, analyze it, give you everything you could possibly need or want. I could do the same for social, but my head of social, Allison, is going to do a hell of a better job at that strategy and what to do next and what to try and how to do it because she's in it every single day as opposed to me who is doing it to, you know, because I have to, or because it's part of my job. So how do we get past that? And how, how do we kind of incorporate that into what we're looking for to hire when, like Mark said, we're kind of, people are looking for like a magic bullet, so to speak, but yet you don't want to train. 
you know, and you're trying to get people in a vertical mindset that have all of these different skill sets, but maybe aren't really great at anything. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you got to jump the gun on what I was about to get into. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. I'm flexible. I'm flexible. <laughs> you know, certainly all, all very concerning points, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot happening for sure in, in, in that sense. You know, whether it's, you know, market saturation, comp restrictions. I mean, there's there's a number of these uh these 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 hurdles here, right? That that is making it difficult. And then on top of it, having a very focused area, right? You know, performance marketing, programmatic, we're we're, we're gonna have or gonna have that need, right? We're gonna require some level of experience, right? When you know, I'm not gonna say gone are the days of learning on right? But what have you done to prepare you to step into that role, right? right. So we, we've got to see some level of vision, some level of uh, just drive, right? That That's either indicated in your past experience, or let's say some sort of a, you know, boot camp class or something along those lines that kind of gives us a sense, hey, this person's for real, right? This person wants to move into this role, move into this function, move into this organization, and have a direct impact. It's it's tough because, you know, and, and again, to Mark's point, you know, we, we've got a, a very shorter runway, right? Because we 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 need these we need these skill sets and we need it now. Right. We've we've got you know targets to hit, uh expectations to meet and or exceed, preferably exceed. So it's it's just makes it just a tougher, tougher road to travel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think oh sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, um and tremendous point. And I think I'm going to make a controversial statement here, but unicorns are not real. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I will die on that hill. Um, a unicorn <laughs> is if you really break it down, it's, you know, we want to bring in somebody that can either overextend beyond their skill set or come in with a specific skill set, but take on work that maybe they've grown out of, right. Or, or that maybe they've evolved past. And, you know, when we're thinking about hiring the right people and if we're looking for hiring unicorns, we have to think about it from the talent's shoes of, you know, they might be a unicorn to us, but are we necessarily a unicorn to them? Um, and if we do want to bring in somebody, and it's understandable, we we have budgets, right? When we're working in the agency space, we only can be, a, you know, we can only hire for what we, you know, have the money to be able to support our hiring for. But we also need to remind ourselves about the employee experience. If we want to bring in somebody to be this unicorn and they have this great set of foundational skills or for the, um, to the point of somebody that is a, um, what was the, what was the, uh, what did you use? Fast learner, Mark? That was yeah. the, um, I, I like to use like somebody that's eager to learn, right? Because, you know, you bring in somebody that's eager to learn, they're going to be really dedicated to their training. They're going to be really dedicated, dedicated to their growth and development. And you could likely get someone to that unicorn status, but that's where the give back comes back from the company as well, to the point of offering the right training to providing that ramp way up to be able to connect the dots of someone's previous experience to how we'll get them to that level. So, you know, we can really be making educated hiring decisions and not just looking for unicorns to fill our needs, because at the end of the day, that's just going to lead to further attrition. It's just going to lead to further burnout and people not having a good experience at your company, which is, I mean, not the reputation good Apple wants. Right. I love that. And I think that that's so telling of companies, but a very interesting and unique approach, especially when a lot of the younger talent have very crazy demands or lack of drive 
which I know I might, you know, be controversial by saying that, but from my own experience in onboarding younger talent and looking to kind of teach and and train, sometimes it's hard to find people that still have that drive or still want to work hard. Or as you said, Maya, like maybe you're looking to take on a little bit more work that you haven't done before where, you know, how are you combating like, oh, well, that's not my job. Or, you know, that's not, not, that's not where I kind of want to be. Because I do feel like sometimes once the talent comes on board, you know, and especially at the agencies, from what I've, I've noticed, it's very siloed, like, well, this is my role. And this is what I do. And if you need that, you need to go to this team. So how, how are you guys working through that in terms of bringing that new talent on? And, you know, not only training talent, remotely, which I would love to hear, you know, you guys um, approach on that, but meeting the demands or getting people to want that drive and not just be like, all right, I'm going to be here in six months and and do my job and ask for a raise, you know, Um, which seems to be a little crazy in my mind, but happens all the time these days. Anybody want to take that? Yeah, you know, it's weird, right? Sometimes I, I feel like we're in the entitlement era, you know, and I, and I, you know, I don't want to be controversial around this and, and, and you know, cast you know, the younger generation, if you will, right, in that in that total bucket. But, you know, it's what we're seeing, what we're seeing, you know, what we're experiencing. I mean, obviously, stuff. you know, you had it, you know, had that experience yourself, right? Um, I've seen it a number of times in my end. And uh, there's been, a, you know, certainly a lot of, you know, we'll say complaints uh, or just people who just don't see how that's going to work long run for them, right? It's right. not, you know, there, there's a mindset, right, we came up with. Right. Uh, we came up in, I should say, rather, where, you know, you work hard, you put in your time, you put in your effort, you learn, you grow. Right. Now it's like I feel sometimes that that part they want to skip. They want to jump from knowing nothing to knowing everything and then, you know, taking off to, you know, the next level. Right. And, and it, there's levels to this specifically. I mean, that's, that's an uh, adage used uh, more so in, in the entertainment industry or, or, or as such. Right. There's levels to this. I think. You know, sort of building that mindset, you know, I certainly build it into my kids, to be honest. Hey, listen, you, you can't jump from, uh, you know, Little League to uh, going to UCLA, right? So my, my which my son thinks is, is, is a real thing. Uh, I'm like, no, you've got to study. You've got to, you know, and, and there's points and in, in, in steps, right? And um, shameless plug. My daughter uh, is finishing up her freshman year or finished up her freshman year. I think to her sophomore year at Yale. So nice. she's got a, she's got a, uh, you know, a, a, uh, an example in front of me. But anyway, back to the initial question. But I think that, you know, building that in, right? You know, then it starts, you know, whether it starts from your parents, whether it starts from educators, whether it starts from, you know, your first job or your mentors, you know, all this, this has got to be built in. I think that's been lost a little bit, you know, unfortunately, whether yeah. it's due to the pandemic or just due to just uh, lack of attention there. So are there tactics that you guys have built in to kind of help with some of this or, you know, explain maybe what the job is a little bit different or what to ex- what to expect in in any role that you're hiring? You know, are there I guess are there any tactics that you've figured out that you can kind of employ to kind of help with some of these expectations? Yeah, I think, you know, from a and I'll kind of come at it from the the other angle of it and you know, thinking about our our younger generation of talent. And, you know, I like to get away from the the words like entry level and call it foundational because truly are they truly are foundational members of our teams. They're the people that are going to grow. They're the people like that, that are coming out of, you know, some really highly accredited programs. Um, and I think we 
often do need to give them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. They are often, you know, especially in our space, you know, we, we operate within social search media, um, all of the different areas in which they've grown up on, right? So these are these are younger folks that have, you know, been online much more, much mm-hmm. longer than I've been online. I'm dating myself, but like I'm in my thirties. I, I still remember when I got my first Facebook page, but you know, some of these folks are like are graduating as influencers, right? So they've been able to just through their own education, just through their own passion and through the really, you know, extensive programs that they've taken through school, really be able to build a great foundational skill set that you can really dig into that can really benefit your your organization. So I think from a, a tactical perspective, it's being honest with yourself about the type of people that you want to hire, right? Um, and we need to be hiring folks that are very driven, that do have, you know, some of that acumen that, you know, you might associate with sales, but we also want to you know, be able to connect that to the folks that are, you know, very critical thinkers, the people that can be very strategic, that, you know, are very knowledgeable about this space that changes every single day. I've been at Good Apple now for a year and in the industry for eight years, and it's completely different from year one here compared to year one at the beginning of my career Mm -hmm. to now. And, you know, being able to lean on, you know, our staff, um, be able to give them the opportunity to, to be subject matter experts. And, you know, you don't want to, that's not a widely cast net, you know, that can be a very specific, it's a specialized person, right? It's somebody that has, has found their passion in college. They have found the career path that they want to go on. And if you look at some of these programs, they're very in-depth. They're probably more in-depth than a lot of training that companies at our level offer. Right. And that's something that, you know, is very important to be mindful of. and, And I can just give them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt and be strategic about, how you approach them and, you know, not necessarily typecasting them because, Hmm. you know, we've been able to partner with a ton of great schools that have given us some incredible talent that are going to be future leaders for us, which is, I don't know. I just think it's, it's, it's an interesting approach because, or it's an interesting angle because it's, you know, it's definitely a space where they have lived in and are much more knowledgeable. And I think we get them credit for. So actually, Stephanie, you said at the beginning, your daughter doesn't have a phone yet at age 11. Um, When I got my car, that was my independence. Uh, They get their independence with the phone and everything has accelerated. And so I have, you know, my oldest, when we started driving, he was like, dad, I drove yesterday. It was like, what are you talking about? What do you want (laughs) to take the car and go? Like, that's what I would have done. Same. Um, They, that, that phone really accelerates everything. And I think that from a generation, I think anyone who's ever had a phone knows that you can access everything quickly and everything moves so quickly. And I think that's the expectations. Once you get into a company, you think you can do everything that much quicker. Hmm. And I think that has kind of shifted everyone's a little bit mentality as that generation with everyone who's getting phones is starting to think like, that's how it works. I want immediate gratification and I want to be promoted. And I think it's been a little bit of a punch in the belly for people to lose their jobs right out, right out the gate when they've just, you know, they thought this was the way we go. We don't go down, we just go up. And I, I think, I think it's kind of humbling to a lot of people right now. I think it's a very interesting perspective. And I guess I haven't really thought about it that way. But, you know, when your whole life has been accelerated like that, and that's kind of what becomes the expectation, it's kind of a hard slap of reality with going to work and being like, wait, what? But I I do think that there needs to be a foundation, whether it's at home, or it's a realization that happens later on, you you can't skip learning. You can't skip 
perfecting things. You know, I know, Steve, you gave um, an example of your kid. I, I do the same thing with my daughter in soccer. You know, she's like, well, I, I want to be better. I want to be better. I'm like, well, it's been all summer and you haven't kicked a soccer ball. How are you going to get better? You know, it's not just going to come to you in the fall when you're at a game. So, you know, I feel like implementing that mentality and also showing at home, like we work hard, we put in our dues, you know, we do what we need to do to get to where we need to be is a big thing as well. Do you think that being remote has really affected the hiring process? And, you know, how are we looking or how do we onboard those people that are now remote? You know, Risa, I know that your company has always been remote, but the companies that you, you've worked with aren't always. So how has that changed your process in what you're looking for and maybe what some of your um, companies are looking for and in order to make sure that you're getting the right people that will do the work at home? Because that's hard too sometimes, that discipline of sitting down and working. Right. But I had an office until the middle of COVID and my team didn't want to come back. I had a great office right on the Hudson River in Irvington. We loved it. And the team loved working remote. The team had been with me for so long that I think we were able to make that transition. So now we all are working remote. But we had years and years in the office and we're doing well this way. But I think there's definitely something missed when you're not around people. Certainly for younger people, I I learned everything from watching my managers. So I think it's much harder now if you're remote and you're younger and you don't have people around you just so you could observe and learn. Yeah. And are there any ways that you've guys noticed? I mean, Maya and Steve internally, you know, you might have had more notice of this, but Mark or Risa, like maybe your your companies are coming back to you, but or asking for your opinion or, you know, maybe better understanding what this is like. But what is the onboarding process and training like? You know, being remote and not being able to sit over somebody's shoulder or shadow somebody or, you know, yes, we have Zoom and we have screen sharing and stuff, but is is there obviously is something missing, but is this enough? Well, I think companies now are, are really wanting people back in the office two days a week for sure. Mm-hmm. The candidates want two and the companies are saying three and it's sort of a tug of war. And I have a few clients who are asking for four and those clients are still having a harder time attracting talent. We have one client who's four in the office, but they give a half a day remote. So it's a four and a half day work week. So they're being creative. But I, I would say it's going back to three in the office unless it's a full remote position. And that's different. But I think things are changing. And, and September is sort of everybody is saying we want three days. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll even echo that, Risa. I mean, you know, uh, you know, from our end, we're hybrid. Right. You know, we move from pure remote to hybrid two to three days a week is, is sort of what we're leaning towards. We're seeing, you know, greater percentages of, of folks starting to hopefully embrace that, even though we're not like ramming it down their throat. Right. Hey, you know, two to three days or it's not going to work. Right. So we've embraced that model, I think, for now. And to your point, you know, the onboarding process, right, the accessibility is is key. Right. So I think for us. You know, we've got a number of folks who started remote just, you know, over the last month or so, whereby having a very robust training program is certainly integral to their to their development and to their success that we've seen. And, you know, we've, we've had to, you know, I think over the last, what, two, three years, we've had to perfect that. And a lot of companies have had to rally around that as well and, and realize, hey, you know, you know, if we want to have this continued level of success and growth and, and scale, 
then we have to put together a strong program. So that's one thing I think uh, we're, we're, we've sort of stepped in front of, uh, but also, you know, sort of as a, a close second, if you will, to that is, as I mentioned, accessibility, right? You know, making sure that, you know, whether it's via Slack, whether it's via email, you know, good old landline, phone, cell phone, right? You know, being able to communicate uh, at any point, well, for the most part, you know, let's say working hours, right? With those individuals, with your team, to feel, again, that sense of in-person, although you're not quite. So I, I think those those two areas, I think, are hopefully beneficial. Yeah, and and I agree. I think that it's it's really important to just to be intentional about everything, right? And mm-hmm. intentional about our onboarding, intentional about the time that we're remote, intentional about the time that we're together. And Good Apple has um, a unique, you know, perspective where probably a good sixty percent of our company started when we were in office. Still, we were based out of Manhattan. That allowed us to, you know, do it the traditional way: onboard people in person, be able to have you know, those, those setup meetings, be able to have a new hire lunch, all of those fun things that we used to do in office. And, you know, we really had to look and see, you know, now that we are a a fully remote company, how do we apply that and and be able to not necessarily lose those really, really imperative pieces of someone's employee experience, just because we're behind a screen, right? So because we don't have that opportunity to meet people casually in the office, we have to rely on those different ways and different platforms to make everybody feel welcome, be able to have a, a strong onboarding experience done virtually, but then also transitioning that into their training, right? Be able to be very milestone driven, be very connected to to the folks that you're working with um, to be able to set them up for success. Because ultimately, like it isn't enough for an opportunity to just be remote. A company needs to adapt to remote. And at the end of the day, there is nothing better than being in person. So Good Apple as a company had to recognize that and make the decision, do we want to start going back to the office how does that affect the folks that don't necessarily live in the New York area? I'm based here in Chicago. That would be a long commute for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, or or do we shift into something that's going to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more fun? So we approached the remote working from a, we call it virtual first. So essentially 80% of the time we are working from our home offices. We have, you know, we're very connected. We're, you know, regularly meeting with the the larger team, with our own individual teams to be able to make sure everything is on track, is, you know, doing our day-to-day work. But then from an in-person perspective, we're taking about 20% of the year and dedicating that to different times where we can get together. I got a chance to go to the SHRM conference over in Vegas with my team just a few months ago, which was very great. So I had that time working with them for a week, um, but then also some unique things where we were doing these quarterly trips that uh, we're bringing the entire company to a different Latin American country each quarter. Oh, so we've gone to Argentina, fun. Guatemala, Colombia, and we're going to be wrapping it in Mexico City this year and being able to provide those those opportunities that, you know, it's it's not a vacation, it's, it's a working trip. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to make up for that lost time where maybe you felt you've built a really good relationship with with your team, but now you get a chance to be with them in person, to go to dinner, to to volunteer with them, to be able to have that side-by-side working time. And just remember that like at the end of the day, like we can reinvent tools and we can find new solutions, but sometimes your old tools work the best. Um, and being able to adapt those to a new modern way of working is really important. I love that. So so I, I think remote work and 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 people wanting to work remote has actually caused some of that problem we were talking about earlier is you need exactness because you don't have the ability to train them. Right. Right. And so if you want to stay remote and you want to be remote, well, then I need to know that, you know, you can do your day job. Yes. 
And there's a very important point there in that it, people are reluctant to come in. And like, I, I will be on a call like, yeah, so this is uh, three days in, in the office. Hello? Hello? Like, you, they won't come in. They don't want to come in. Well, if you don't want to come in, you're not going to get certain jobs. And if and if you think that you are, uh, you, you want to stay remote, then there might be a job for you there. But like some companies want you back in and they're going to dictate the terms, especially now when there's a lot of candidates that they can do that. Right. If you have real estate and you paid for real estate, you want to get value out of that real estate. Absolutely. If you, if you think about high performing teams, you want to be a high performing team. It usually helps that you're together. I love remote. I think remote can work. I think you can scale out remote too. You can find a lot of great people in a lot of different areas of this country. Uh, it, it is a wonderful thing, but you have to get the training right, the mentorship right. Mentorship is huge. And when I talk to my clients, so I'm I'm a former CEO, uh, SVP, whatever you want to call it. I've built teams, grown teams, et cetera. So I know when I talk to my clients, I say, listen, unless you have some form of a mentorship or a program that can onboard someone and get them up to speed and keep them happy, then if you can't do that, then you're going to fail and you're going to be calling me in another six months. And I, I, you know, we don't want that. Yeah. Um, and I find that very interesting too, you know, um, back in the day being remote, even having one day remote was like a privilege and you had to earn that. You know, I remember even at Pubmatic and, and when I was at Media Math, like trying to fight for one to two days remote just because, you know, I was a, a young mom and I, I wanted to try to be home more. And part of why I started my own company is because I couldn't find a role that would hire me two days a week remote. So I created what I wanted. But aside from that, I feel like there's benefits and problems that it's causing as well, right? So yes, we can have talent from all over, but yes, it needs to be specific and we need to know that you could do your job. So do you feel that remote work has affected the actual process of hiring and who people are looking for? And now that people want workers back in the office and are creating a little bit more of a hybrid to full-time back in the office, and I guess, Mark, you kind of already, you know, answered this, but how is that changing the caliber of talent that you're receiving with those types of jobs as well? Well, I think it's all supply and demand. And right now uh, there's more supply and less demand. So I think people have to be more flexible. So yeah. I, our situations of someone so fantastic and the client really wants to hire them, they'll, they'll make a concession and say maybe one day in the office or something like that. But in, in general, I think right now people are accepting the fact that it'll, it will be two to three days in the office. Yeah. And do you feel that the talent is, is suffering by putting that back on to them where, like you said, they don't really want to come into the office. So now are those companies settling for a less qualified person? Because that person might not have all the qualifications, but are willing I to don't go into so. the office. No, 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 no. They don't. They don't. No. They don't need to settle. They don't need to settle. And then, right, you know, what 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 what's happening is, if you are wanting to be back in the, if they want someone who's back in the office, they're going to get that. Yeah, I mean, it's just that that simple. I mean, they're going to get it. But you know, there's no disconnect between talent level and remote and and in office. Right. And how do you think that that affects work-life balance? Like I have, obviously there's some people that are working from home and, you know, you're messaging them every single day, all day, and you can't get a word from back from them. But 
you know, I also struggle and struggled with this, especially in the beginning of being remote, where I kind of felt like I was always working, or I kind of felt like, uh, you know, because I'm home, it's so easy for me to to go back upstairs and just sit at my computer and get lost in email or, you know, doing something extra. I've learned to discipline myself with that. But how are you promoting, you know, more work-life balance? And are you seeing people being able to disconnect from being home? I, I don't know if you guys have these mobile devices, uh, they look <laughs> this, um, but these have been around for some long time that we are uh, now a slave to the email um, and we get back and forth. Uh, you know, it doesn't stop. It's just a matter of, are you checking it? And do you want to really respond? Work-life balance has changed with remote. I think, you know, your commute has changed. Uh, I go two floors downstairs to the basement um, is my commute. When you think about it, I, I saved a lot of time. I saved, you know, about an hour going in, an hour coming out. So I actually have more time to do work and more time. Uh, lunch is a mystery. I, I have some food upstairs. I don't usually remember to eat it, but, you know, it's a quick thing. And so you've saved lunch time. You've saved, you know, dinner time. You mm -hmm. commute. You've saved a lot of time that you allow if you want to use it for work, you can. And honestly, you do your job because what you if you want to grow, you want to do your job and then some. And it remotes giving you a lot more ability to do that. Um, if you think it is a uh, not a good balance, then you have to figure out what you're doing wrong in your in your schedule and try to mm. optimize your schedule is what I would advise. Right. Also, you can pick your kids up from school and then uh, get back to working or you can get back on at 10 o'clock at night. I think people with working remote have created new schedules. And I think companies feel that as long as they're getting the work done, that they're OK with that. But and I also think it depends on the role If it's an operations role, perhaps working more remote is OK. But if it's a sales role, I think people really feel that salespeople need to meet the clients in person. Mm. So there's more push to see the salespeople back in the office and, and get them meeting people live. So I, I do think it, it differs from role to role. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And, you know, I definitely created boundaries for myself, um, learning to have to do that. And Rissa, you know, part of why I wanted to do this was for those exact reasons, being able to pick my daughter up from school, um, you know, take her to soccer, you know, be available and, and volunteer where I can at, at school and just be more involved. So I feel like that might also be why some people are very reluctant to come back to the office. But, you know, I do think that there is a necessity there, too, especially depending on the role. So given that there's so much talent out there now and it is very competitive, how are you guys attracting the top talent? And, you know, what selling points or benefits are your companies offering to stand out and, and get these people to want these jobs and to want to work with you guys? Yeah, I think it's about finding a match. Like it's less about having to attract talent. And I think that, you know, from, from Good Apple's perspective, we have you know, some tremendous benefits um, that are attractive to employees that that want to work here. We have, you know, competitive pay. We have obviously the workplace, remote workplace flexibility. We have a lot of those perks. But at the end of the day, it's it's not about trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, right? We we don't want to try and make a match that's not there because to Mark's point of they won't settle for a non-remote employee. They'll find their in-person. An, an applicant won't settle for 
an in-person role if that's not what they're looking for. And we shouldn't try and make that match. At the end of the day, you know, we should be looking to attract talent based on what the job offers, what the company can offer them and there being that true match. So, you know, I think it's important to be, to be competitive. It's important to understand and do regular salary, um, reviews, make sure that you're staying competitive within the market, make sure you're, you know, really being mindful of, of how people grow. Um, so you can really truly promote that the company grows and it's, it's just important to really be intentional. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, definitely Maya, um, certainly agree with all those points. I, I would also sort of throw in, you know, the, there's a greater emphasis, I think these days around employer and employee branding. Whereas, and not to say that that it was, it's been lost in years past, but definitely, I think, has certainly jumped to the forefront, right? You know, what is your organization doing, right, to be impactful to its employees? And, and how are employees on the other end taking that? How is it resonating with them? You know, that's something, you know, to your point, being intentional about, right, uh, Maya, that that needs to be done. You know, you know from our perspective, uh, I think being able to, a small example, right? So we put together a, a nice little, a cool little reel about, uh, you know, sort of, certainly our, our our ways of working here and, and a little bit of background about us. Uh, we, we put it to a song, uh, uh, getting the name of the song, uh, it was like a little video we did. That's uh, uh, terrible. <laughs> Set of it's Disney happened. movies. One of those, it was, it's that, oh my God, I forgot the name of this. Give us a job. It'll come to me. <laughs> It's a, it's like a Disney movie. Hum a few uh, bars. Hum a few bars for me, Steve. Maybe I can pick it up. Hum a few bars. <laughs> you don't want me doing any sort of singing. Uh, it's it's uh, it's so popular. I can't believe I can't put my finger on the the song in my head. Elsa, Elsa. It's not Elsa. It's um uh. Let it go. Come on. I let it go. It's not. It's not that. It's not that. It's 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 uh. It's based a around whole new a new world. Hispanic, it was it was a Hispanic movie. Uh, based for kids. Oh God! It just oh, was that like uh, two years ago? Anyway, anyway. all right. Why is on? Why is on? Yeah, it'll come to me. Um. Anyway, being is that you know having fun with that, right? And 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 playing into that, and and kind of giving it, you know, sort of you know, a, again, giving us a, a branding moment, right? Right. But also, you know, on top of that, right? Even even to Maya's point, right? Sharing a clear vision of you know a, a, a you know a candidate's trajectory, right? Where do they? Where are they going to see themselves? You know, whether it's a three month, six month, two year window. So you know, providing that clear understanding and and uh, you know how bring examples. Hey, you know, we've had someone who was just in this role two years ago. They're now managing a team. They're now directing you know a, a function or what have you. So you know, I think it's important to provide that example uh, and, and provide again how those potential, you know, how you can see your, or see themselves uh, growing and, and, and expanding within a role uh, within the organization. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all about telling a story, right? We tell brand stories yeah. every single day. And I'm so glad you brought up employer branding. It's a topic that I'm very, very passionate about because right. <laughs> it was um, a big piece of, of being able to find my success here at Good Apple um, coming in. You know, you can take a peek at our website. It's going under a website redesign right now. But I always tell candidates, it's a great look at who we used to be, right? Uh, but not necessarily the the greatest picture of who we've grown into being. And, you know, that was my big push to, you know, all of our team members is, you know, we really want to be able to tell our brand story. We really want to be able to be able to show, not tell how 
what the experience is like working here, not necessarily just from an employee perspective, but what it's like for a client to work with us um, and the teams that they're going to be, you know, supported by every single day. So, you know, really being able to be strategic about providing social content, you know, speaking about your company's successes is great, but also in t- telling employees stories, focusing on the people yeah. that work here, being able to promote their success, promote, you know, it's great to to share out the awards that we're winning, but it's also really great to, you know, show a recap of the trip that we all went on together, right? So people can can see that picture of the all the employees enjoying their good time there, see, you know, what we did together and be able to sort of picture themselves there, right? And be able to really define that story. It it can help set you apart from all the companies that just say like, we're, you know, every, every word salad sort of summary that all looks exactly the same from agency to agency. It's, it's important about really visualizing that story. I, I was just going to say, um, I, I'm on the recruitment side, so I, I don't want to oversell anything. And yeah. I, I try not to sell <laughs> your story. What I like to say is if you do the homework, it's Hester easy. And I tell every candidate to do their research, because right. if they're doing their research on the company, looking at the Twitter feed, LinkedIn feed, looking at different people who are within, they might get a sense of who's there and if they want to work there potentially. If they do the homework, the test are easy, they can ask these good questions during the interview. And the interview is going to be when you're starting to meet the right people. Maybe you meet Maya first, but then you're going to meet six other people and you maybe run into Maya in the halls, right? I mean, so you have to know if you're going to like these great people and you're going to want to work with these people. So keep that in mind as you're interviewing. And so I try not to sell any company and I try not to sell them in a way that would be like, I'm just trying to, you know, put a butt in a seat. I'm trying to actually help make this connection and make this connection worth it. Because again, if it's not worth it for both parties, then I'm not doing my job. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. where can I learn about, for me, I approach it from a, from the angle of, I could tell you all about good Apple, but I want to hear about your perfect job. So I can really pick out areas where that could, this job or this company could be a really good fit for you or not. Right. Because finding out more about you could tell me like, hey, loved our conversation, but ultimately you're you're looking for something a little bit different than good mm-hmm. Apple offers. And and that's OK. Right. Mm-hmm. But being able to have that really authentic conversation and, and it's an emphasis on conversation. I think recruiters can really stunt their ability to connect with their candidates by sticking to a script, asking them the questions that they, you know, are reading off of a list and and not really personalizing the experience. And I think, you know, from a looking to attract uh, the right talent, it's it's important for you to tell that story, but it's also important for you to know their story and be able to tie those two together. Good, good interviews are yeah. all just conversations. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. One thing I Agreed. wanted to add that's good right now is salary transparency. Candidates love the salaries on job descriptions. Mm. That's been huge. I was really nervous about that as a recruiter. I just felt, how are we going to negotiate? And it's really worked out much better than I thought. And I, I think that, that that's been very much a positive. That's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. I, I like find that. that it's, I find that it's, I'm so sorry. No, um, go ahead. I, yeah, I, the salary trends, I, I agree with you. I was initially, I've, been in the space where I've had to often be on the negotiating end of it. And I've gotten good at my negotiating skills, right? Mm-hmm. But the at the end of the day, I think transparency is is the best, the best tool that you can have, right? And being able to, again, it's getting back to not trying to fit a square peg in a circle hole. It's making that right match and being able to be transparent about like, this is what we're offering. I would love to know your target to see if we're on the the right, you know, see if we're on the same page. But you don't want to necessarily feel like you're hiding something. If you can be transparent about the salary yeah. and you can be transparent about the opportunity, you can be transparent about what their experience is going to be like to, to work here. 
they're going to trust you. They're not going, it's, it's going to become a much more organic finding the right match conversation than it's going to be like, oh, how do we dance around this salary question? Because mm -hmm. I don't want to give my target range because I want to know what their budget is. And if we can just share what our budget is, the candidate's the one applying. So I think putting it on the job descriptions is really helpful because it's already been communicated on there before we get to the conversation. And then during the conversation, we can really focus on the candidate and really focus on what are you currently making, you know, or what is the range that you're looking to make? Um, and where can we make that match? Yeah. Yeah. I, think that, I mean, that's great. Oh, Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. Sorry, Seth. I, I just wanted again, all excellent points made by everyone here. And, and I certainly uh, uh, agree with those. I just wanted to quickly share the, the, the parody, I guess, that we had put together. It was called, We Don't Talk About Cookies, based upon, We Don't Talk About Bruno. That is what ah. I was trying to recall. That is why I, I remember the song. I wanted mm -hmm. to sing it. I wanted to hum it. I couldn't get it out. But It's from I, Luca, uh, right? From, Lu from Luca, right. Yeah. Right. Right. So <laughs> They're I, Italian, I, but that's okay. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking of Coco. Yeah, so was Cocoa. I. I was thinking of Coco. Cocoa. I was like, I wait, what's Coco too. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. oh my God. That's right. Yeah. It's okay. All right. Brain part. Uh, but uh I, you know, my 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 marketing team would kill me if I didn't <laughs> if I didn't uh ensure that I brought that forward. But um but yeah, I mean again, all those uh areas that everyone shared certainly important, I think essential to uh, you know again you know, providing the candidate with a great experience uh, throughout their journey. And uh, those certainly will, will I, I think from my experience, has been extremely beneficial to uh, bringing forward the right folks into the organization. And, you know, with some of what we were talking about, whether being remote or coming back to hybrid, how did some of these companies celebrate the wins? You know, they are hiring these people. It's not a normal, hey, here's a new hire lunch or come meet the crew and, and take people from office to office or cube to cube and introduce them yeah. to everybody. So how have some of these companies and, and some of these candidates, I guess also, if you've gotten any feedback from that, felt once they are hired and, and trying to become part of the team and navigating who to go to for what, how to ask questions, how to celebrate a a um a promotion or you know somebody making a really great win or you know sharing those company attributes that were celebrated for so long. How how has that changed and how is that kind of evolving with this new back to work as well as what we were doing remote? Well, I think the win for people was all the flexibility that they had. So I think it was more of a personal win than a professional win. And I think people were just very happy to either, you know, that they could take care of their dog or you know, whatever it was. So maybe some of those professional wins, those team wins weren't there. That was what was lacking in exchange for more flexibility. So that's that's sort of how I see it. But I think now as people are going back in, they're appreciating the kind of wins that you have when it's a, an office environment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah. from a, um, trying to make and personalize that new hire experience, you're totally right, Stephanie. It can be, it's it's very different than having the new hire lunch and, you know, everybody coming by your, yeah. you know, by your desk to Or to even like the sales team hi. would ring the bell when they would close a deal and everybody <laughs> right. would cheer, you know, like it was nice. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's something <laughs> that we've just had to, we've had to evolve. We, mm -hmm. you know, thinking about like, 
you know, uh, people, I remember one of my first days at one of my old jobs, like I showed up at my desk or it might've been my birthday or something, but like there was then like post-its all over my desk, right? So it's like, how do we replicate that? And something that our HR team has done is starting to uh, utilize kudos boards, um, usually okay. for, you know, for celebrating a win or it's mm-hmm. generally we use them for somebody starting with the company. And it's fun because it's an ability for, you know, everybody to introduce themselves, to put a fun little gif and for someone to start their first day with like some nice notes of everybody welcoming to them to the team. It's, it's kind of trying to personalize that experience as well as, you know, we don't want to show up in a month to our next, you know, quarterly trip and everyone's looking around like, who are all of these people? Who are all of my new coworkers? So, you know, also being able to like send out a new hire communication, making it personal, telling them not just the the job that they've, that they've filled, but who they are a little bit, like what their hobbies are, what their interests are, like what makes them tick outside of, you know, just being a new apple and in the orchard. And, you know, from a celebrating wins perspective, you know, when we celebrate both personal and professional wins, we often do them during our team meetings. We have uh, monthly team meeting or monthly company meetings. And that's something where, of course, we update on, you know, the happenings at the agency, new new things going on, what we can expect in the coming month. But then also, if someone's gotten promoted, we want to share and celebrate that. But all, or if somebody is, you know, just join the company, we want them to be able to speak to the company and share a little bit about themselves, right? Like a little show and tell, or even just something like somebody got married, somebody got you know, had a new baby. We want to share that too, because we really want to relish in everybody's wins and, you know, excitement and all of the things that just make a a well-rounded employee experience. Because if you, if you get rid of those things, people aren't going to be connected to the company they work for or the people they work with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, and similarly, uh, you know, we, we use a a good old buddy Slack, right. Uh, In a lot of ways to uh, ensure that we we do communicate, right. So a lot of those kudos, a lot of those, you know, opportunities to connect, right. Because, you know, that that's sort of where we sit in this new, you know, virtual age, uh, or newer virtual age, I should say. So, uh, you know, having those opportunities to, you know, share those, you know, those wins or, uh, you know, as it happens, right, you know, can't just, you know, to your point, uh, Steph, where we, you know, ring the bell, we had the little gong or whatever, uh, when a deal went down, right? Um, so we, you know, we're kind of ring the virtual gong, right? The virtual, you know, flat gong, I guess. So, uh, you know, but again, continually finding ways to at least mimic that as best as we can. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think, you know, certainly for, you know, for our, you know, our newer employees as they're, you know, obviously learning and, and and such, you know, again, we provide the opportunity to, of course, share a little background about themselves and, you know, all those funny little questions, you know, what Disney character would you be, you know, things of that nature. But, but I feel like, you know, it's, 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 not, you know, again, it's not always going to, it's not going to be the same, right? Obviously face-to-face, but I think finding ways to, you know, establish that, that line of communication, uh, you know, whether, you know, through Zoom or through Slack or what have you, I think is, is something that, you know, we have to continue to do and at least put that effort in, uh, in this new, in this hybrid and or remote. Yeah. Uh, Being thankful phase. for the technology that we have, even if it doesn't always work for us, right? <laughs> yeah, it is that too. <laughs> for sure. So, you know, Mark and, and Risa, this might be a little bit more geared towards you guys um, being a little bit more of like a recruitment firm, but how do you gear up um, your talent to really showcase themselves and stand out? What are some of the 
the tips that you maybe working with somebody um, that you give to help them differentiate themselves from the rest of the crowd when they're going for a role? I always tell people, make sure that there's three things that you let the person know about you that are different. Three things that really make you stand out, whatever it is that makes mm. you different and, and uh, special, smarter, what, you know, either if it's, you know, that you're always on time or, or um, you have a great memory or you have a way with people, wh whatever it is, but think about what makes you different, what makes you stand out. I always say that. I think researching the company is so important and going in and saying, oh, I watched the video of the C of your CEO. Really, people don't research enough. They really, they wing it. And I think that's the biggest issue. And follow-up mm -hmm. is so important. And it's just amazing that we, we always tell all of, all of our candidates to follow up. And it, it's always amazing when people don't. And really follow up. It used to to be 24 hours then it was 12 hours it's like you get out of that meeting and send an email yeah. and also send you met with three mm. people send an, e an individual email to each person that you met with so it's 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 things like that I I once interviewed someone a few years ago and she said to me I show up and what she was talking about was she was always on time she didn't call in sick enough a lot and that really stood out with me because she was letting me know I'm dependable and reliable right. And not everybody is. So even even something like that. And I did end up placing her. She was a great candidate, but I had never heard that before the way she said it. She said, I show up. So that was mm -hmm. that was something that stayed with me over the years. So, Stephanie, alphabetically, I should have gone first because Risa just stole all of my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it's all the same. Risa, next time it goes M, then R. <laughs> um, uh, everything she just said, 100 mm. uh, percent. You know, I said it, it, you know, if you do the homework test are easy. So, again, be prepared. Know what you're talking about. Right. Know who you're talking to. Um, mm. You know, I send people the LinkedIn invites, uh, uh, LinkedIn who you're meeting because you can research them. Maybe you have some commonality. Maybe you go in a different direction and talk about that. Maybe that person you have a common connection with can help you. So, you know, and when you talk about the thank you note, I can't stress enough like to people like send a thank you note, say something good in there, remind them how and why you, what you guys talked about. You know, someone said to me, a thank you note is so old school and like salespeople do that. It's like, oh, okay, don't get the job then. <laughs> Fine. Like yeah. do, do what you want to do. But you can't teach some people some things. And so it's, again, I'm not going to put someone in front uh, and, and in front of a client and say, this person's great when they don't want to be great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think from, um, from a, you know, candidate perspective, the thing that the biggest advice I can give is know how to tell, like, know how to tell your story, not just mm -hmm. read off of your resume. Right. And I think that, you know, we have resumes in front of us as recruiters. We've already read them. We're already excited to talk to you. I want to learn more about the clients you've worked with. I want to learn more about your challenges. I want to learn more about your wins and really being able to articulate and bring your resume to life and your experience to life really helps us connect the dots between, you know, yes, from on the surface, resume, you look like a great candidate, but all of these examples that you provided me can really help me tie that into good Apple's business, the the work that we do, the roles that we're looking to fill and, and finding the right person. And for me, the, the difference between somebody that can elaborate for 10 minutes on their experience versus somebody that can give me a really quick three minute summary of their experience that they pulled from their resume. I'm going to go with the person that can really elaborate because I can really sense in that their passion, their drive, their right. dedication, all the things that make apples successful. 
you can find out just through how somebody can really, you know, speak to their success, speak to their challenges, speak to their wins. And again, just really be able to articulate their experience. So, so uh, sorry, I just jump back in and, and the elevator pitch is exactly right is you've yeah. got to get mm-hmm. synced elevator pitch and you have to have it in a digestible format that not only, you know, when you get in with you guys, Maya and Steve, you get to the next level that Maya mm-hmm. and Steve can repeat your elevator pitch. And so, right. you know, a lot gets lost in translation with resumes and, and conversations. Like I can look at resume and like, what the heck, like you, you've been jumping different reasons. And if you're not, if you don't have had a chance to tell that story, um, I had a baby, I had to care caregiver. I had the company went under, I, we got acquired. Like you don't know sometimes when you're reading at a distance from a resume, you better be able to tell that story and share that story in a nice format that can be just kind of, you know, when we play telephone, you wanted to be able to make it way through the telephone. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I mean, all excellent point and, and something I, I I fully am am on board with Um, another, another one, maybe two thoughts I had, but is is certainly being inquisitive, right? You know, having prepared questions that to me resonates that, you know, this person is thinking about his or her role already, right? How and where and what's happening here, you know, give me a background, you know, some some sort of level of inquisitiveness that shows to me that, you know, you're going above and beyond. Again, market saturation, excuse me, market saturation now has become, you know, is a real thing, right? I'm sure my, you know, everyone here can, can understand, right? So you, trying to kind of whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down, you know, you've got to look at different things and different aspects. So that's one thing for me uh, that I, I always like to lean upon, right? And when I'm sending notes, let's say to hiring managers, after having a conversation with the candidate, wow, this person had excellent questions. They were curious about such and such. This person stumped me. I have no idea <laughs> uh, about X, Y, or Z, right? So you know, I, I think that's something that that's important to to put out there. And and then, you know, even something you shared, Maya, earlier, you know, giving us an authentic sense of what it's going to be like to work with you, you know, sharing examples of things you've done. Uh, again, I feel, you know, aligns with the role, right? Aligns with the responsibilities or the function. All right. So I think that's also important to to bring forward when, when uh, you know, again, providing a, a sense of yourself. Yeah, I I'm love so that. I'm so glad you... Um, I'm so glad you brought that up, Steve. Um, yeah. Questions, a hundred percent. Come yeah. with questions. You gotta have some questions. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. that makes me feel more warm and fuzzy <laughs> than it's like, wow, you really prepared for this 30 minute meeting exactly. with me, right? Like you really wanted to to have this conversation. You were really able to tell me a story. You did your research to tie it back to, you know, to the research aspect, but then you really genuinely thought about what it would be like to work here. It's not just like, oh, well, you gave me a call, so I'm taking the interview. And and that's the reason we're on the phone. It's it's I did my research on Good Apple. I see mm-hmm. some of the brands that you've gotten a chance to work with based on my experience in X, Y, and Z, those types of examples, it's and, and the questions they can ask, it's it shows so much more vested interest in the opportunity mm. that, that they're interviewing for, that it will make them stand out 10 out of 10 times compared to somebody that, you know, is like, yeah, this has been a great call. Um, I don't have any questions. Cause it's like, well, I hope you do. Cause I have more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, the, the, the questions, if you ask, Hey, what are the hours? That's not a good Do you guys only do pharmaceutical advertising or you get any other verticals or, Hey, what's the cookie list strategy? Like, you know, there, there are smart questions. And if you're not mm-hmm. reading news when you're unemployed, you, and you're looking for work, that's a huge miss because yeah. if you 
that the company is doing certain things and in the verticals, then understand the vertical, understand the environment and what you're, you know, about to get into. I love that. Um, I actually just did a podcast on the art of storytelling and um, how it ties into your sales strategy. So I love that we're making it full full circle as well, because telling your story is so important, but being able to emphasize the parts that matter the most is also art of it itself, right? Um, Making sure that it's so relevant. So, you know, Maya and Steve, this might be a little bit more for you, but are you focused on upskilling existing employees or hiring new talent? And, you know, how do you balance these approaches and decide, okay, this person is ready to move into this role versus we need an outside person? Great question. Um, so we're, yeah, yeah. we're very um, invested in upskilling our employees where we're very dedicated to to the training that we provide as well as that that rampway to get promoted. You know, we're we're not the largest agency in the world. And that's by design. We want to be able to give people the opportunity to grow. We want to be able to give people the opportunity to gain and obtain new skills. It's a big part of our um, interview process is just learning someone's autonomous drive to to be able to grow themselves and being able to provide those opportunities for people to upskill, whether it's through direct training, whether it's through conferences, whether it's through different certifications, you know, we want to be able to provide that opportunity because at the end of the day, it's going to benefit us much more to have someone that has that long time experience within good Apple and, and the knowledge of our clients and how we work versus having to continually be hiring new employees and, you know, starting from that square one over and over and over again. But also like we don't want to lose focus on how we grow. So when we look at upskilling current employees, you know, generally we're much more hiring outside for our foundational level talent, right? Because there are people that have come in with, you know, a great education, great previous experience, great internship experience um, that we can then translate and give them that road to grow from an assistant media planner to a media supervisor, but looking at like our, our, you know, more mid-level and senior director level hires, it's a really impactful role. And that's a, it's really critical to be able to make the the right hire there. So it allows us to not only reward the hard work of our apples, but also feel confident in the work that's going to be produced at that level um, to our standard and just our quality. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I think from our end, you know, we're doing a little bit of both. Uh, admittedly, um, you know, I, I know we we also offer a uh, you know a leadership program here, right? You know, where you have the opportunity to certainly upskill your skill set, you know, more at that sort of managerial and directorial level. You know, there's there's opportunities for us that you know we can certainly be a little bit further involved in, you know, from an upskilling perspective at the more sort of you know the manager slash individual contributor level, uh, and that's something I know that we're we're actively looking at and assessing. But uh, to your point, you know, at the foundational level, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we kind of run into scenarios that unfortunately aren't aren't the right situation for us, right, or the right, or, or just meet not meeting the expectations that we were looking for. So, uh, unfortunately, at that point, you know, we've, we've got to make a, you know, a change or, or transition of some sort. It's, it, you know, a lot of that's depending on the business, depending on, you know, again, where, where we are uh, from a you know, again, from a target standpoint, um, you know, whether it's quarterly or, or what have you. So, um, or, you know, from a, from a team perspective, right. Where, you know, the, the manager or, or director or VP is not seeing the value uh, mm. added as, as hoped. Yeah. And so once you guys do hire these stellar new employees, how, how, do, what, what are some tactics 
that you guys do or that you advise your your clients on to retain this talent? It's a very competitive world uh, right now. We have a, a lot of jobs out there. And, you know, while we do such hard work to make sure that we're bringing on the right people or, or finding the right fits for the right roles, um, there's still temptation and it's okay. Oh, well, I could get 10 grand more doing the same thing over here. I'm just going to go do that. Right. I feel like sometimes the connection between the companies might not necessarily be there or be there yet where there's a sense of loyalty. Right. I feel like gone are the days where you were at a job for 20, 30 years because that's just what you did. Um, a lot of times we see these resumes where every two to three years, people are, are jumping from company to company. So are there any tactics or any um, proven strategies that you felt were effective for retaining talent and, and quality talent? Yeah, absolutely. So from a, a retention and a growth perspective, you know, something that we really focus on, not only just our what we provide people in the terms in the you know form of, of training and development, but also you know, really intentional goal setting. So something that we do as a company is we work with um, outside career coaches, as well as we base our entire uh, company bonus on, you know, us hitting our overarching company goal. Now to get that company goal, we have to set individual goals for ourselves. So we go through an exercise every year where we set our personal and we set our professional goals. And that's something that can help drive every employee here's journey to where they want to be. Because at the end of the day, like we want and will retain the person that's on the journey that they want to be on. Right. And that's going to give them the opportunity to, to focus on their own individualized growth. So they're not just focused on what they've done for the company lately, but what they're doing for themselves and being able to, you know, really challenge them in a way that's not like just challenging them with more work. It's challenging them to develop a new skill or challenging them to, you know, if you want to, like for myself, if it's, I want to get to a specific amount of colleges, like it, it gets me thinking about, you know, what my year will look like at the beginning of the year versus at the end of the year when we're approaching college recruiting season right. versus, and then in addition to that, I think it's just imperative to stay connected with your employees, whether you're in office, whether you're remote, like you want to be having those very direct open conversations about, you know, where things are going well, where there's, you know, struggles, but mostly how you can help them overcome any obstacles and support them in any way. So, you know, a strong manager is going to be somebody that wants to take on that with their, um, with their employees and be able to help find resolve for any issues where they're, you know, might cause some of that retention, or if somebody's itching for a promotion or, you know, to your point of like leaving over $10,000, like just being able to stay connected to an employee, not only on their day-to-day -day work, but also their long-term career growth and getting them to that next level, setting milestones, meeting with them when they meet those milestones. So you can, they can have that envisioned roadmap mm -hmm. to getting to that next level. It just humanizes the experience. It shows them that we value their, their career here versus just their work here. And it's, it just allows us to, you know, keep, keep people yeah. much make, at, at make a much higher feel, rate than other agencies that make we've them been, feel been that they're more important than you know just another employee that they're connected 100%. yeah yes i like that yeah, yeah i'm thinking I, about my own firm where i i have three recruiters who've been with me for over 15 years wow basically i have no turnover and i i think that we offer flexibility Amazing. i like to think that we're very generous and i think we're all aligned on our mission which is finding our clients, the best candidates and helping people get jobs. So I think really that those three things, 
really make people want to stay. So I, I feel very- to that. That's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Another big thing in our industry with finding the, the top talent and retaining top talent is diversity and inclusion and including that in your hiring. And not that it might not have been part of it before, but I feel like it's really been brought to the forefront of a lot of companies, a lot of conferences. So how are you ensuring that your workplace and culture are promoting that and ensuring that there is, you know, a diverse pool of hiring, regardless of, you know, whatever, or however you define that diversity, ensuring that you are meeting that quota and and there is fairness in the game. Yes, you know, Steph, I'll, I'll hop in. So, you know, uh, first of all, I appreciate you, you know, raising that, right? Uh, it, it's certainly a, a very, very impactful uh, area uh, for, you know, well, for me personally, just because that's something that I've always sort of taken with me, role to role, function to function, and so forth, you know, you know, being able to drive and have an impact from a DEI perspective. You know, for me, you know, it's always a con- continuous effort to network, right? I mean, I think that's all something we can all agree upon here on this panel, that that's 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 our bread and butter in a lot of ways, right? Our network, our connections uh, to the to you know our our, our talent, right? So uh, from that perspective though, I also uh, find ways to connect with specific organizations. You know, for instance, another shameless plug, next month I'm gonna be speaking at another panel for my actual well it's known as Sisters in Sales is the actual name of the uh, the the group, uh, which focuses on women of color in digital sales mm-hmm. uh, and, and growing that and expanding that. And it's actually not, you know, Sisters in Sales per se, but it's actually my sister who actually runs the, the oh, nice. uh, serves as the uh, CEO behind that organization. So very excited for her and, and certainly her, uh, her uh, success over the last several years in doing so. Um, but point being is that, you know, certainly, you know, aligning myself more so with various organizations. The other side of it is too, as well. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm stealing this from my, again, this is found the foundational piece, right? You cannot build something without the ground level. You can't expect to see a greater number of, you know, BIPOC, uh, employees, again, all rallying around DEI opportunity, uh, DEI initiatives. If you don't start them somewhere. If they don't have the opportunity to start somewhere. So, you know, a lot of that begins, you know, it starts, you know, starting internships. So you can start in, you know, uh, uh, again, I, you know, I mentioned the boot camps, you know, things of that nature that, you know, you look at and, and start to, you know, hopefully find prospective folks who will be, again, further impactful to the organization uh, and, and also continue to, to bring that heightened level and awareness from a DEI standpoint as well. And, you know, of course, aligning with your DEI team, right? If you have a DEI team and an organization, if not, you know, build one, start it off, right? You know, it, it you know, just because it's not in place doesn't necessarily mean that it cannot be done. Right. Uh, and I think in this day and age, hopefully, uh, that's that's something that's uh, in, in, in shape in some way, shape or form uh, already in place. So, you know, certainly uh, I think that's important. And then lastly, you know, I think reminding, you know, from an internal standpoint, reminding st- holders to share what we've been doing, right? Because sometimes I think that gets lost in just the day-to-day interviewing. Don't forget about that piece. It's important. And I think it, it brings a, a stronger sense of the organization's DNA, right? It, you know, we're not, yeah, we want someone who certainly has this background, this experience, such and such, but also who's authentic to, again, 
our DEI initiatives right. are, you know, where there are opportunities for all to be certainly inclusive. And, you know, we want to make sure that that resonates with that particular candidate uh, as well. Absolutely. Right. I love all of those points, Steve. And you, you stole a couple of my examples, but I'll, I'll repeat <laughs> Finally, them. I got you. <laughs> you got me. You got me. Um, you stole no, something I, about like that. <laughs> I love, I, Alphabetical I, is I, not working here. Come on, guys. I, know, I, know. Uh, I want to go to Sister and Sales. I want to find out about that. That sounds like it would be great. It's happening. It's happening. Okay. Awesome info. Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, good. Um, but no, just to Steve's point, like I, I think starting at the foundational level is is so important. I think you you got to do the work, right? And it's it's this is we've been on the topic of like return to office and remote based work, and something that's really benefited Good Apple is because we are remote now we can hire from anywhere in the U.S. You know, we can really truly organically mm -hmm. diversify our staff. We can start to, you know, target more historically black colleges and universities. We can, you know, provide more opportunities through boot camp, through like through different boot camps that we partner with. And, you know, being able to open the door allows people to get their foot in the door. And being able to do that, you know, you don't necessarily have to sacrifice what you're looking for to get that. You just need to know where you're looking to, find the right people, right? You don't know, you don't need to sacrifice. I think that's like the topic that people always can lean on with or like push back on when it comes to DE and I is like, I don't want to give up X because I want to look for, because I need to hit a number. It's not about hitting a number. It's about providing the right opportunity to the right person, yeah. but also being able to provide that opportunity to everybody you can, that is a good fit for the role. Right. And you know, being able to be authentic in that, be able to be purposeful. We went to a, a HBCU career fair last year, which was an awesome experience for Good Apple. We got to speak there. We got to make a lot of, you know, in-person connections and, and really be able to show that we were invested in in doing this versus just creating a mission statement. And, and that's where it starts and ends. And being able to set that foundation is, is really important because it, it sets the tone, but then also being able to not let it end at necessarily just the talent acquisition and the hiring piece. You know, we have a uh, employee driven organization that we've been able to create that kind of happened through 2020 and has now evolved into an entire organization, which is our committee for a better good apple. Um, and it's our way of being able to focus on everybody at the, the company outside of just the people that they are from a, a marketing perspective. It's it gives us our opportunities to um, you know, celebrate Black History Month it gives us our opportunity to celebrate Pride Month. We were um, as part of I'm the head of our LGBTQIA plus subcommittee, which allowed me to, all right, I want to be able to show that this is an inclusive place without just saying this is an inclusive place. So being able to humanize that and share the experiences of queer people through a, a newsletter that we put together, um, that's now going to be a, a yearly sort of like magazine, which was great because it allowed us to, you know, inform people of, you know, why we even celebrate Pride Month, why it's important to specific apples, as well as allow some of our Apples to share, you know, their pride stories and, and how they came out and, you know, were able to be their, their authentic selves at work. It creates an environment which encourages people that and shows them that this is a place where you can do that. And it's something where someone's already, the door is already open. So it's just for you to be able to, to walk in and, you know, be your full self at work, which I think shows a lot more authenticity versus just having a really well-crafted uh, yeah. diversity statement. Putting your money where your mouth is. I like it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I know we're just about at time. I have one more question I would love to ask if we could do a quick round robin of that. 
Um, and it's really, you know, what are your thoughts of the future of digital media hiring? You know, where do you see hiring in our industry, I guess, going and evolving? Risa, would you like to start? Yes, sure. I It's getting better. I hope this is a really tough year. So hopefully I'm seeing more jobs in August and, and hopefully it will continue. I think if the economy continues to stay stable and we avoid recession, I think 2024 could be good. Down the road, AI is certainly scary. Uh, but one thing, I, especially for digital publishing, I, I think about that. But um, one thing I do think about was programmatic advertising. Everybody said it would kill all the jobs and sales and media planning. And from my experience, it really hasn't. So hopefully we'll just continue to evolve, but it, it, it's a very changing industry, but uh, I'm staying optimistic. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then from my end, I'm, I'm really excited about the future. I think like there is those, those scary pieces like AI that, you know, are, are a hot topic, but they can also really benefit us from just like being able to streamline out communications from like a purely administrative perspective. It brings a lot of benefit to the to, to hiring, but also some things that we have to be mindful of. We want to be, it makes our conversations even more important knowing that somebody could write an email through AI in two seconds and it could be the most polished email, you know, that they've, that you've ever read, but it wasn't necessarily written by that person. So, you know, really being able to humanize the experience is important. But the part that I'm really excited about is, you know, we've spent a, really a lot of time focusing on our foundational level. Um, we've had uh, a focus on being able to convert our internship program into sort of like a, a bridge to full-time employment uh, program, which has been really successful. And that came from just being able to be on campus and seeing how much people are like, this is a growing space and they're teaching the students about it. The students are coming in with so much knowledge and there's so much, so many robust programs out there that are really setting them up for success that I think you're going to see an even stronger um, foundational level talent pool than you've seen in in many years because again the 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 students know that it's growing they know that it's um, they know that it's a space that they want to be in and the programs are accommodating that and really providing them a lot of that foundational training that that we you know still should and you know need to provide but it's nice to have them come in with a good base. Yeah, I mean. Um... You know, again, certainly an agreement with you both, Risa and Maya. Uh, you know, certainly AI is, is real. Uh, it, is, it is certainly uh, it's here. Whether you whether you love it or or want to list it, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> from a real estate standpoint, but um, think the thing to to keep in mind, right? Uh, and this is something I've heard in the past as well that AI is a tool. It's not the technician. So. Ensuring that you understand, you know, the, 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 yeah, the two, uh, it, it's, it's important, right? You know, we're, it, it's something that's help us catch GPT. Yeah. I can write your, you know, I don't know, your, your diversity, your statement or this or that. Um, that's great. However, you know, we, to your point again, you know, it needs to be humanized. It still also has that there, there needs to be more of a way to, 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 to again, bring that forward specific to the organization. To, to the business or, or you know whatever it, it's being uh, utilized for. The foundational piece, yes, absolutely. Uh, there's definitely more and more, we'll say early career folks who are coming in with a lot more knowledge about the business. I mean, I think back, you know, uh, five, 10 years ago, right? Uh, you know, so if you can attest to this as well, people had no idea, like, like it's a programmatic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what, is a, what is an ad, you know? You have to literally start from ground one you know, and, and really teach them and, and so forth. Now they're coming in with knowledge of it. Now they're writing papers on it. Now, you know, you know, dissertations. I mean, it's crazy. 
So uh, that's great to certainly see and, and see that continued theme happen. And then, of course, social media, right? You know, that that is continuing to spur, I think, a lot of what's happening as well. And I think that's obviously going to only continue, right? Um, and, and through the various platforms that are out there that will hopefully continue to spur us forward. Yeah. Mark, your perspective? So I, I think the, the technologies like ChatGPT or Programmatic or any of the other platforms that make our lives easier are, are for from a from a job perspective are, are going to do just that they're going to shrink us from eight o'clock to nine o'clock to maybe nine to five however it's not going to be replaceable as a human you're still going to need the humans and i think that's the important part is they're just making our lives easier you still need to work and so i'm optimistic in fourth quarter as well as 2024 i think there's some things that could go right or wrong that make that sentence a little you know maybe not work <laughs> uh, but you know, I do believe that there is going to be some growth here. I mean, from a what's the future of hiring? I think right now the process is broken and I think that needs to get fixed. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that we're going to start to have uh, and I, more clients I talk to stop having 47 meetings to then determine interviews to determine a candidate. We need to shrink things down. We need to make it a little bit easier. Uh, that's going to be a part of when candidates don't want the job because they have to do a presentation or have to go 16 different meetings. They're just going to be like, I don't want this anymore. So, you know, we're going to have to think about how the future of hiring does actually change because we're all getting about 400 resumes right now. Uh, there is going to be a time where you're not going to get as many and you're going to have to figure out how to lure people in and make it a process in which they feel comfortable too. Yeah. Makes great points. Great points. Well, thank you everybody for being here. I really appreciate it. I loved this conversation. I could definitely go on and on about it and have so many more questions, but you know, for the interest of time and your calendars, I want to thank you for being here. Um, and I hope everybody enjoyed listening. Please subscribe. And I would love to just know where everybody can find you guys if you want to give your email or if they have more questions, want to reach out or are interested in working with you or applying for a job. Risa, let's start with you. Where can when can our guests find you? Either my website, mediarecruitinggroup.com or my email, which is best, Risa at mediarecruiting.com. And Risa is R-I-S-A. Most people don't get that one. Maya? Yeah, feel free. I mean, add me on LinkedIn, Maya Good. Um, I have a little emoji apple next to good. It's pretty cute. So you could either add me on LinkedIn or feel free to send me a um, a message at maya at goodapple.com. Mark? Uh, LinkedIn, easiest way. Um, Mark Goldberg, uh, connect with me. Don't follow me. Um, there's I put rules every time to explain that to people. Um, I would love to connect because I can talk to you. Following doesn't help. LinkedIn, Mark Goldberg with a C. Awesome. And Steve? Yeah, you can definitely hit me up on uh, LinkedIn as well. Uh, also, uh, again, here at Steve, uh, period, George at Kinetics, Kinetics.com. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. This you was well. great. Thanks, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate Thanks. it. Bye. Bye.